Welcome to The Handle, brought to you by 8Count, where we break down the AFL season ahead and give you all the insights and analysis you need to be able to support your team on the sidelines. And of course, here at The Handle, what we love doing is looking forward to the year ahead and never looking back. So if you're listening to this in October, you're wasting your time, okay? So it's all looking forward, guys. Don't hold me to account. Darko here, uh, super excited about the 2018 AFL season. And I've got a very special guest with us. Uh, he's normally confined to two cans and a string in terms of technology. We've brought him in-house. You're on the podcast. T-Rick, welcome to The Handle. Thank you very much for having me, Darko. It is um, an absolute pleasure to be here. So let's get our full disclosure out, Tom. Uh, you know, I'm a long-suffering, and I think I've got to put that in bold, Carlton supporter. It's been a, a, you know, multiple decades since uh, Big Sticks held the cup, so I'm continuing to be in the Hurt Locker. Yeah, can you disclose your allegiances, please? Uh, yeah, very much a neutral supporter of the <laughs> AFL, but I just have a slight leaning towards the Hawks, and likewise, been been very, very long-suffering over the years. We've been starved of success for, <laughs> for a long period of time, so no, I, I tend to follow the code, um, but a slight interest towards the Hawkers. Yeah, uh, yeah, neutral, uh, neutral fan. Not on your life. I'm staring at the uh, the, mem- the memorabilia around the room. We'll break it down here. 89, 91. You know them all. Chapter yeah, and verse. Yeah, Who no, else is I'm there? I'm pretty sure. Um, first game I ever saw, and this might give away my age a little bit, but first game I ever saw was the '76 Grand Final, and then the second one was the '78 Grand Final, and then went to the. Uh, Seven grand finals in a row in the 80s with 83, 86, 88, 89 and 91 all being successful. But then there was the dark period, the uh, the days of, of the merger of the famous Jeff Kennedy mm. and the days of uh, Angelo Lekas and um, a few of those boys in there. The Spider Everett days were um, always entertaining if you were involved in the club raffle. But um, yeah, <laughs> Let's then, be Spider. Yeah, but then the, the drought, the, finally the drought broke on one of the great days of the... Uh, Oh, eight grand final that I was uh, had the pleasure of sharing with D. Arthurson, the Arco with me now, and um, then we had obviously had the three peat lately. So it's been a good good time as Hawks supporter. Very very lucky, and I thank uh, my primary school mate Paul Hopkins who told me that he would be my best friend if I broke for Hawthorne, and it was the best thing we've ever ever done. I haven't seen him for about twenty five years, but um, but I broke for the Hawks. So good on you, Hoppy. Thank you, Hoppy. And I remember I remember full disclosure for anyone listening outside of Melbourne. I remember oh eight. Great day, great weather. We're all in on the Hawks, fully loaded. Anyone but the Cats was the was the ethos. And I think you and I and a couple of mates having kicked a kick down Flemington Road in a really, really respectful, you Absolutely, know, car-safe yeah. kind of manner. Was that I right? Think, I think that was – we did have some kicking on Flemington Road and we also journeyed on to my old primary school, being at Errol Street <laughs> Primary School, where when I was a kid, the uh, it was definitely four kicks from goal to goal. And when we turned up on Grand Final Day, it was uh, – you could kick a goal from fullback kicking out from a point. So there was a bit of perspective for me, even with a couple of uh, lubricants under the belt. Copy that. As mm. we, and, folks, as we now look at the season ahead, we've got a few aims this year. Uh, we want to talk about team by team. We want to give you the breakdown and our insights into who will improve, who will go backwards. We want to talk about the things we're most excited about. I think we'll park AFLX. Query on JLT. For me, Tom, when we hit March, it's just about round one. All of this stuff feels Mickey Mouse to me. Your opinion on pre-season, yeah, yeah, mate. absolutely. For me, the pre-season used to mean something. I think when there used to be a pre-season cup and some of those night games out at Waverley were, uh, were absolute highlights and it really did have a focus. But I'm not quite sure what the AFL's agenda is and what the club's agenda are these days to bring out any, any sort of meaning towards it all. It's just purely practice matches, but they still call it a cup, which confuses me a little bit. But anyway... Agree 100%. Don't read anything into March, into March form until the first round. 
Amen. It's like the reverse. It's like March Madness where, you know, I remember Carlton winning pre-season cups. I mean, give me a break. They'd win the pre-season cup. The Flavor Flav, you know, hype meter would go up. And then all of a sudden we'd be deflated from round one. Absolutely. Fev would have a tantrum in the pocket because someone didn't kick it to him for the 25th time and yeah. the season would be over. Well, so I mean, for me, yeah. March is a bit of a kind of myth-making exercise. Definitely, yeah. I think when the Baggers had the, uh, the We're Coming campaign, um, <laughs> was very much fuelled by that uh, pre-season cup victory. But, but, but back before that, it was often a pretty strong correlation between success in the pre-season cup and then success in the season proper. And I think teams just... There was, there was perhaps more of a class divide. And the ex- really exciting thing about footy these days is that, you know, you can throw a blanket over so many teams in the competition and um, all of them have got a realistic chance of winning. And so I think that's why teams now are holding back a little bit in the, the pre-season cup. They're trial, trialling new tactics, trialling new posi- people out of position and seeing what happens so they can be absolutely primed for round one. But, yeah, don't read anything into the Tigers demolishing Richmond by... Uh, by hundreds of points a couple of weeks ago. Oh, I hear, I hear. My favourite pre-season memory, I don't know if it's favourite, you know, or a nightmare, but I was running around Princess Park, and for folks outside Melbourne, that's uh, that that uh, is on the outside of Carlton's home ground, running around Princess Park, around the track there, 98. I'm going to say it's 98, 97. Don't hold me to that. And it was the year where Carlton were just on the uh, let's draft ageing stars from other clubs. Right. And uh, they thought in their wisdom, we've won 95. 96 was okay. We're starting to decline. Let's get Mick McGowan. Yes. Yeah, love Mick. And Shout out to you because I know you're, like, you're a big fan of the handle, Mick. But uh, I saw you, I saw Mick out there running laps. And I thought, who's this bloke coming towards me in the tracksuit? It was February or March. It was pretty warm. He's in the tracksuit. This bloke looked green. Looked green around the gills. And I thought, Mick, how many games will you play this year? And turns out he probably played about half a dozen. And, you know, yeah, bless him, but his best years were behind him. And that's the Carlton, that's the Carlton strategy. That, was, uh, that would have been 20 years ago. Absolutely. No, it is, it's the writing on the wall, I think, sometimes we end up in the... Uh, I think Mick Martin did the same thing um, coming across a few years later. The Baggers, <laughs> back when they were penalised some draft picks and so needed to find somebody to fill out the list. Um, and a couple of the Hawkers, Dan, Daniel Harford, ended up there, current media celebrity here in Melbourne and um, another guy, Brett Johnson, who was one of my favourite players, but I strangely didn't do much with the baggers. Didn't know, go on with it. I don't know what happened. Yeah, yeah. You're putting salt in the wound here, mate, because all we're highlighting is Carlton's inability to draft properly and uh, the old Band-Aid strategy where they bring folks in that have seen better days. Yeah, and I, and I know that we're, um, we're highly uh, mindful of, uh, of legal requirements and obligations here, but the, uh, the word brown paper bags was mentioned uh, amongst my peer group growing up that that was the, um, the clear recruiting and drafting strategy, that if Carlton didn't draft well, it was my Carlton mates, God bless them all, would all say, oh, no worries, we'll just throw a few, few brown paper bags at a few of these guys and get them across and everything will be right. And uh, John, John Elliott, with all, again, due respect... Um, yeah, I think that was part of the Carlton, Carlton modus operandi, but it's a different world now, as we know. Different world, and uh, Carlton, like every other club now, needs to do the grind, needs to needs to draft. I think they've been on the GWS strategy. Uh, you know, Paul, the youngsters out of GWS, yeah. get them down to the club. But now I'm showing my bias, Tom, because no, no, we've no, steered no. it towards Carlton no, and Hawthorne. I'm happy, happy to talk a little bit more about the baggers, though. A couple <laughs> of things. I'm just, just curious as to how many Silvanis you actually have on the list. And I'm, I'm counting... Um, I'm counting Steve as one of the players now. He's got so much control over that recruiting list. But um, the other thing about the baggers that I wanted to talk about, in, with all seriousness, is the coach. Um, Brett, Brett, uh, Brendan Bolton. Brent, Brendan Bolton, thank you very much. Um, yep. Development coach at Hawthorne started out the Box Hill Hawks. I've got a few friends who, um, who played with Box Hill Hawks around that time and 
absolutely the highest respect for him. So he does need to be given a bit of time, but the word I get out of the bag is just that they're all aligned as a team. They're moving in the right direction. We'll talk about their, their progress later, but I reckon seriously, some really good signs, and I think the mentality of the club has changed where they've finally caught up with modern football and the need to do the hard yards and get the, um, get the long-term strategies and structures in place, for want of a better term, um, rather than the quick fix, which I think has been the bag's solution for the last 20, 30 years. Shout out to Bolton, wherever yeah. you are. Indeed. I think he loves listening to the handle. No doubt he'll be waiting for this to come out, thinking, how can I get an edge based on what Tommy Narco have got to say to get us up the ladder? Mm. So let's pivot, Tom. Uh, yeah. We're 20-odd days away from Richmond and Carlton kicking off. Why, oh, why do they keep us in the round one fixture? I'll never know. No, I will never know either. I did. Um, I had a close mate this morning. Shout out to Griffo. Um, suggest that our, our coffee money... For the year. We, have, we have a bit of coffee money on a Friday morning left over and usually we, um, we might invest that somehow and he was suggesting that the Tigers will go undefeated this year and that will be the, uh, that will be the, 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 the easiest, easiest bet you could have for the year. And um, Luckily we don't endorse gambling on this podcast we do um, not. because we would not be throwing our money away like that. We would not. And if we ever say... You know, that we love this team, we love uh, this win percentage, whatever it is. You know what? Do the oppo of that. Go opposite. I think that's the soundest investment. Well, yeah, that was something I was, I was thinking about when, <laughs> when I got invited to come on this podcast is that doing a, a pre-season sort of predictor is just fraught with danger because I've I'm, I'm got a little bit of a background with motivation and psychology and things like that. And I think the, the greatest human motivation is trying to prove people wrong. So when we, um, when we suggest a couple of clubs might be down the bottom of the ladder, I hope they're listening to this and that might be the spur they need <laughs> to have their best season ever, breakout season. But I certainly know some of our mates, like when we get round to North Melbourne, I'm pretty sure Ants will be pretty keen to, to play this podcast back to us you know, in October because we are on a hiding to nothing with this, but we love having a chat about it anyway. You've got to have a crack and we're Absolutely. going to put our out there so so you know folks as we always do this we have not swapped notes in advance we've been doing the uh the independent analysis tommy's had the abacus out had the ouija board i've had the uh the spreadsheet going thinking about the season ahead i can't find a pathway for carlton to the finals unfortunately tom maybe we start with our top four projections so this is the blind effort uh tom why don't you start kick off with your top four and why and then i'll pivot and do the same and folks get the uh Take dictation. Let's get this down, Tom. Very happy to uh, to reveal the top four for, for me. And I'm going to say this top four is the home and away top four, but oh. not after finals. So perhaps we can get to that later. Because I think and there's a couple of teams that have got pretty handy draws and that might get them a fair way into September. But I suspect they won't go as far in September as, as their latter position might indicate. So I'm going to start with GWS uh, to finish first after the home and away series. I think... They have been a bit disappointing come the finals the last couple of years, but I think if you if you took yourself into your time machine, as, as Arco and I regularly do, and go back five or six years and think, OK, how would you expect this new team to track within the AFL? And you think, well, they'd probably have a few dad years at the start, and then as their list starts to mature, move up towards the prelims for a little bit and have a couple of years in prelims, and then they'll probably be right to take the next step. And I think they have got that good balance of players, and I think they've... They've learned a lot from these close prelim losses that I think they're really, really good to go there. So that's my top. Um, controversially, perhaps, and maybe there's a bit of um, a bit of reverse psychology in here because as a Hawthorne supporter, the cats have uh, cats have traumatised me for a number of years. <laughs> and thank you, Jeffrey Kennett, for your Kennett curse. Um, but I reckon with G. Ablett coming back to the cats, I don't know if he's going to be the difference as much as the uh, Dangerwood 
and add, mm-hmm. add little Gary into the mix will be just a phenomenal midfield. But I actually think that the rest of the players are going to lift in his presence and they're going to be inspired to try to try to prove themselves to Gaz. I think he's such a legend of the club over uh, a couple of generations, really, between him and his old man. That I just think the environment that he brings, and I know there might be question marks about his motivation and about his, his team ethos, but really up at the Gold Coast, I reckon that he... Perhaps the structures and the um, the opportunities around him to play team football weren't as strong as they could have been. And so, as a really competitive guy, he's tried to do it all himself because he knew that's the best way to get the best outcomes. But I think at Geelong, it will be back to a team-first mentality. And I've got them at number two after home and away. Nine games, I believe, at, um, at Cadivia Park, as we call it here on the podcast. Do you um, think, do you think Tom, we'll come... So you've, yeah, you've yeah. gone GWS and Geelong. Just yeah. on just on G Ablett. Yep. A lot of ink written on yeah, the yeah. great man. Do you think getting away from the temptations of Kavalav, getting oh, away from what, everything that happens on the Gold Coast, no aspersions, we've got a lot of fans up there in uh, South East Queensland, shout out to you all. But yeah. do you think, Gav, uh, you know, the great man, uh, Gary, coming down from Gold Coast, down to the Paris of the South in Geelong, you know, freezing his ass off in Torquay. Oh, exactly. Well, know, I think is, that's that, is that the right culture for him now? I think it's all about the surf report for these boys. And um, <laughs> to move from the, um, the the warm waters up there on, on the Gold Coast to come down to the, a bit of a bit of ice bath therapy and oh. recovery sort of stuff and going out with Paddy Dangerfield and in the in the bag of fruit in the suit while they have a surf together. No, I, I think it will be a good homecoming for him. And I know that um, there's probably some reasonably common news about... Um, Gary and some family issues and I think for him to be around that rather than being away from it will be a really good thing for him so I think the, the adulation in the street will be something that he'll have to get used to again and I don't think he'll be able to walk down the uh, the main street of Geelong too quietly but um, but I think he'll be happy to be back and to finish off his career there. Yeah. Keep rolling with your top four mate. Okay, well, the, the perennial powerhouses, I've got the Swannies coming in at third, I just think you can't write off the Swans, to me the Swans never look fantastic on paper and I think you know the depth is an issue I think that they get a quality 22 on the park each week and I never know much about what's going on in the the NEFL is it um, uh, and yes. who's doing well apart from the fact that uh who was it 60 possessions to um to Tommy Mitchell before he came over to the Hawks and we're not talking about the Hawks now but um I think you can't write off the Swans the Budwire up forward and I think John Longmire and the, the Paul Roos coaching legacy is just phenomenal in terms of a, a drilled club. I, I hate the, the term uh, bloods culture, but gee, whatever culture they've got in there, it's um, it's quite remarkable. It's so, working with a capital K. We'll yeah. come back to this one. Absolutely, come back to this one. Keep rolling. And keep rolling. Um, you've probably been waiting for this one to come out, Tigers supporters, but yeah, Tigers at four. I think it could be anywhere in the top four. I'm just so impressed with their finish to the season. And in the grand final, I thought that the way, you, the, comparing them to the doggies of the year before, I just thought it was such a dominant dominant performance right throughout September. There was no questions about who was the best team come the end of the year. And that intensity, that um, intensity around the footy and the way that they're able to get those mid-range players to play well and truly above themselves, I expect Richmond to be right in the thick of it uh, after that, So uh, at the end of this season. So, yeah, time's to go a long way. So, Tommy, pause there on the top four. Let's take a break to talk about one of our best correspondents at Eight Count, Van Zant. Yes. If you haven't caught up with the travels of Van Zant, we hired him in good faith. Degenerate gambler, professional wingman, rider. We said, go on the road. And he said, no problems, I'll go on the road. I'll start in country New South Wales and I'll send you a report every day. Van Zant, you're listening to this. You sent us one report. Not delivering the ROI that we expected from the eight-count team, but a shout-out. If you haven't listened to him yet, Travels of Van Zant. I think he's actually gone to Canberra to capitalise on the sex ban. As a professional wingman, there's a lot of people working in and around Parliament that need 
new ways to meet people of the same or opposite persuasion. So I think that's where he is. We're waiting to hear back from him. I I believe there's a bit of a directive. I've just heard on the grapevine that you need to look outside your own office space um, if you're after a bit of companionship. So maybe Van Zant's the wingman to to take him out into the wider wider Canberra community. We get, uh, I think, Tommy, you can get a clip of the ticket now for all of Van Zant's business here. It's a lesson for the kids out there, all right? Keep it clean at work. Find your entertainment elsewhere. I think there's a lesson for that in all of us, Tom. Absolutely. And I think if you go to um, to the 8 can and have a look at Van, De- Van Zandt's writing there, some, some magnificent tips for um, for young young players out there. That's a professional wingman. And the one that I had never even considered before was the eye drops. So um, good on you, Van Zandt. Thanks for that. <laughs> I think he's a master of that. So coming back to where we left it off, uh, Tommy's top four, and we'll do the top eight, we'll do the whole 18, and we'll break it down. Tommy, you've got GWS, Geelong, Sydney and Richmond. Okay, I'll flip it, my side. Completely oppo to you, mate. Completely oppo, can't wait. Okay, number one, uh, for me, coming in, I've got them around 16, 6, 17, 5 Adelaide. I just can't see how the Crows regress this year. Admittedly, the big dance against the Tigers were absolutely nowhere. Got blown away in all areas. I think the starting point in the grand final was contested ball. I think their inability to get numbers to the contest sent them back. And, of course, it's been well documented. Their forwards has failed to deliver. So, for me, it's Adelaide revenge. I just think with the cattle they have, the schedule they've got, they've got a relatively easy schedule. I think they do step up. I can't see them regressing from, from the first couple of spots. So, you like you, home and away, I've got, I've got the Crows at number one. It's a coin flip for me between Sydney and Port. I'd love to get your thoughts on Port. I know they've been the promised land as, as a team. You know, they never tear us apart. I actually don't... I'd love to get your opinion on that. I don't mind that as a song, as a, as a starting point. I think I think footy teams, uh, generally Aussies, are a bit reluctant to get around things like songs and get a real spirit going before the game. The EPL do that super well. So I'll come back to Port. I've got Sydney yeah. number two. As you say, great team. Elite, elite management there. Yeah. Uh, very strong. I think they might be a little bit susceptible to injury beyond their best 22, 24, as you call out. Yeah. As they get into round one, I think uh, McVeigh and, and Dan Hanabry might be on the injury list. Question mark on the Swans on the road. They're great in Sydney. Uh, I think they play really well in Adelaide. Not bad at Cadinia Park. But how do they go down in Melbourne? I think that's always a question. But I've got Adelaide 1, Sydney 2. I've then got Port at 3. Uh, for me, Tommy, Port's between the years. Yeah. They've got a great lineup. They've got they've got an elite midfield, an elite defence. Last year, 2017, they got the pill so often inside 50, they just couldn't bloody convert. Yeah. So that was a big question for me, is can they now step up? They've obviously recruited hard. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, interesting strategy there, I think. What know, have they got, the, Tommy Rockcliffe? Yeah, Jack Watts yeah. in there as well. Um, question yeah, mark, so, question mark. Well, yeah, interesting to go either way and it depends on the culture. The, the, my question mark on Port is just the... Uh, and perhaps we'll get, that, get to this when I get lower down the ladder, but I'm, I'm not sure their coaching strategy has been highly based on a, a really strong fitness routine, and I just don't know if they've they've gone over the cusp of that with their prelim final result a couple of years ago and where the bodies are starting to break down around um, around Port. Around what, August, and, September? Yeah, yeah, and whether, that's, whether that can hold them in good stead the whole way through. But I totally get that, you know, it's such an even season and um, such strong... So, Tommy, yeah, Port, between the years, I think is a question mark. You're calling out fitness. I hear you, mate. They've got Motlop, they've got Rockcliffe, they've got Watts, obviously designed to beef up both that midfield and offensive capabilities. Yep. Uh, but I've got them in there at third. We'll come back to them. And, and fourth... When, and, and when you say it's all between the years and then you talk some of those names, no, no aspersions cast. Um, yeah, interesting to see how it goes. And we will, we will revisit this. Uh, 
Much later on in the year. <laughs> so that's that's four. That's three at Port, and I've got Richmond at four. Like you, great team. I think they're, you know, offensively they were solid but not great last year. But they just had an amazing defense. Their midfield was just brilliant. I think they could just swarm the contest. They cover the big grounds really, really well. And like you said, they stepped up in every game in August into September, and they lifted when it mattered. I thought from a cultural perspective, resilience perspective, they they are fantastic. So I think if we you look at our top fours. I've got Adelaide, Sydney, Port, Tigers. You've got GWS, Geelong, Sydney, Richmond. So we've got two in similar positions and yep. two definitely Oppo on GWS and Geelong. Why don't I keep rolling with my top eight and definitely. then we'll arm wrestle. Yep, keep going. All right, so beyond Richmond, I've got Geelong, Essendon, GWS. I've got it like seventh. Yep. Okay. I reckon they're going backwards, not forwards. No, well, I've actually got Port in my top eight, so there we go. <laughs> okay. Oh, yeah. And then I've got Melbourne sneaking in the top eight. They've been the promised land. We've got some mutual friends that are passionate, demon supporters. Yes. They always find a way around 21 and 22 to miss, don't yep. they? They lost to Carlton um, a few years ago. They lost to Collingwood last year. To Barkle, yeah, yeah. And the, what was it, the Jack Watts Cup where they even... Uh, and it's to lose that one. No, no, they might have won that one by losing the game to Richmond back in that for the for the spoon. To, yeah, to, so that to get the slot. Prize number one draft pick. Not that that would ever happen in the AFL or the NBA. We don't mention tanking in no, any form. In any believe, form, it doesn't exist. Integrity of the competition and the individuals and coaches involved. Amen. And Gil, I hope mm. you heard that out there. So uh, you don't send us a cease and desist letter. No. There is no tanking in exactly. the modern game. No. Round out your top eight, mate. All right, I have gone for. Um, this is. Trying to think if someone's going to move, and every year someone moves on the ladder. And I've just taken a bit of a stab, but I reckon the D's are starting to mature nicely. Like, and I'm sure they would really appreciate me saying this. Like, a, like a good red wine. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe a bit of port. I think Jake Lever, great addition to their backline and steadying them up. I think their midfield. The question mark is, is their midfield too slow? Um, but I think their engine room and their ability to get the ball is just outstanding. And I think that um, Jack Viney is just going to be the absolute next superstar of the competition. He's already stepped up. He's like his captain of the club, so I'm not really giving too many surprises there, but he's still a young fella, and I reckon he is absolutely ready to go. So Jordan Lewis in there, McDonald down back, Hogan up forward. I think that there's there's lots going on in Melbourne, so I'm going to slot them in at five. I'm then going to go for the Crows at six. I just think the Crows... Whoa. Um, Adelaide at six. I've got the Crows at six because I reckon they're going to be burned by the grand final experience. I reckon that they played... With, they, they'll be happy to admit this, Texie, you're out there listening, I know. Played without heart, played without spirit, and there's going to be a lot of soul-searching. It's going to be one of the toughest summers in Adelaide despite the, uh, the beautiful, balmy 45-degree days over there as well. But it's, I just don't think you can bounce back from that. And I think you think about Port Adelaide back in, in 08 after they got smashed in 07 and um, dropped significantly from there. And I think that sort of loss can really savage a team. If you, if you lose a grand final... Competitively, sure, but you know, every you got to remember, everyone had the Crows down as favourite before this game. Um, people were tipping Crows left, right, and centre, and to perform like that on the big dance, it's got to crush you. So anyway, I've put them in at six. I've gone for West Coast at seven. <laughs> Come on, and, West Coast. And again, I just think West Coast are one of Tell those me. teams. One of those teams that just surprises me. That I, I look at them on paper and I think, yep, easy, easy. Easy oppo, we can roll that. Yep. But they just the home games over there. I love um, Andrew Gaff as a player. I think that they've got the good big key forwards and they play that Subi, the narrow long ground so well that um, yeah, I think they're, they're still going all right. They're, they're not great, but they're going well enough. And to round out my top eight, oh, you're I'm on the s- fence. You're I on know, the fence. I know. I'm going to slot the doggies in there. 
And I, um, I think they have still got the quality. Questions might be around harmony around the club at this time of year. And I think, you know, getting rid of Jakey Stringer was really something that you wouldn't expect a club to do to, to lose someone known as the package. Thank you, BT. Um, and really didn't give up that much for him unless there's a few cultural issues that they feel go beyond that player. And so I think to make an example of Jake might have been something that's happened there. Um, so question marks about that, but you can't win the premiership two years ago and then disappear mm. off the face of the earth. So I'm going to slot in the doggies at eight. Wow. Okay, so let's break that down for us. On the Tommy list, GWS, Geelong, Sydney, Richmond. What do we got there? Melbourne. Melbourne next at five. Melbourne at five. Adelaide at six. Yep. West Coast at seven. Dogs at eight. And I noticed you skipped over the Hawks, which you had there in Greylead. Yeah, almost yeah. almost getting yeah, in. Yeah, we'll get to the Hawkers later. Now, you got a couple of hours spare. No, no, no. I'm, 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 I'm super oppo on you on the Dogs and the Eagles. Uh, let's start with the Dogs. So, yeah. actually, no. I want to come back to the Crows. Psychological damage you said they're yeah, carrying yeah, yeah. into 2018. Could go either way, obviously. And could go Tell us way. the other way. Well, I'm thinking it's acid in the mouth. Yeah. Acid in the mouth, the stain, the shame, they had to fly back or maybe drive back through every town. They're getting egged all the way back to yeah, Adelaide. Absolutely. You know, it's either it's either bouquets or the eggs. They're getting the eggs all the way back. And, and Arco, I've known you for a long time and I know our listeners are really keen to get into the personalities of uh, of your podcasters. And this man sitting next to me right now is a, a master of suffering. Uh, he embraces suffering and it is his number one motivator in life. <laughs> Yes, um, the art of suffering. I I think I can absolutely get where you're coming from here. This man has produced amazing things by amazingly suffering through what you would not believe, listeners. You would not believe. So keep going, Arco. Yeah, so I've got a bias towards the suffering. So, And I think that's shown by the fact I've got him at one and you've got him at six. But I think I would hope that they convert that, that suffering the fact that they got all the way to the big stage, didn't deliver, and can channel that. I think it's point break quote when yes. it's you know, I think it's someone's talking to Johnny Utah when he says, I know you can taste like acid in the mouth. I think that's the quote. Thank you, Gary Busey. Absolutely. Uh, so I, I think they channel it and they go, they they deliver and they take out the home and away title. Um, Eagles and Bulldogs. Let's talk about the Bulldogs. Yes. Uh, I still believe sixteen was an outlier for them. Uh, I think, you know, and you know I love a good stat, Tommy. I was having a look at their record last year. Two things jumped out to me. One, their points to inside 50 ratio was second worst in the comp behind Fremantle. Every time they get in 50, only Fremantle was worse at getting a score on the board. Flipping that around, the likes of Brisbane were number three. So Mm. I thought the dogs got it inside 50 a lot. Maybe that's one reason they offloaded package. They just couldn't get on the board. Number two that I worry about the dogs is they're just crap kicks a goal. I think they averaged 43% conversion rate. And I know there's lots of debate around are they on the pocket, is it on the run, et cetera. But the AFL average is 49%. You, you get it inside 50, you can't convert, you can't win games. Yeah, well, yeah. The old expression, I think our listeners might, might have heard this once or twice, bad kicking is bad football. Um, thank, you to my old, <laughs> thank you to my old man for pointing that one out to me. But, um, yeah, you, you can't argue with that. I just think the doggies have this fleet of intense running players who I think can provide a Richmond type of pressure. Maybe I'm just being... Um, seduced, if you will, by the by the grand final performance. Where we must remember they came from came from the clouds that year. That they um, really just scraped in the finals, and then in one of the finals, I do believe against a team that I might be familiar with, Hawks were three or four goals up at one point, and they could have been eliminated there. So they had a, a dream run, and everything came right at the time. So can't read too much into sixteen, but I just think you know to, to put them in the eight's not unreasonable for me. 
And you've got the Eagles still making the finals. I reckon they're on, they're on last legs. They're going backwards in a big hurry. What, what makes you think they're going to make the eight? I think it's probably the home ground advantage. I think they've got a very nice draw. And I think also, the, as I said before, the big forwards. Um, they've got their... Um, They've got Darling, they've got Kennedy, um, they've got McGovern, they can throw forward as well, they can clunk as well. And I think that just brings the little guys into it. If you've got real confidence that you can you can bang it forward and you've got someone who's going to have a real chance for a grab or bring it to ground in such a way that can bring you on board, then you've got your little guys. And, you know, West Coast, as we all know, have got some, some magnificent small forwards that can play. So that's just what I'm thinking there, yeah. All right. Well, my worry with the Eagles is midfield. Yeah. Uh, I think Nick Nat will win every ruck contest there is. He, should he play, yeah. Should he play. And so I think if, you, if your opposition gets roved to Nat Nui's taps, my worry, though, is pace inside yeah, in the middle. Absolutely. I know they got, got Shuey, I know they got Gaff, yeah. but they were exposed last year on pace, admittedly. I, I think Sam Mitchell retiring will, will help that along, and Prittis is sort of moving along this time. But, yeah, you're absolutely right. I think Chris Maston, great player and all, number three draft pick previously, but has he got that electrifying pace? Gaff... Very smooth, gliding player, magnificent to watch, but is he the answer that they need in that area? I agree. All right. So, yeah, I think we should do a mid-season review and Absolutely. see and see where we're Can't at on, on that top eight. So, folks out there, I know you've got the uh, got the pencils out. You're noting it down. Very, very different top eight scenarios. Let's quickly break down the bottom half, uh, the also-rans, the ones that might get close. I'll kick it off, Tommy. Yeah. Uh, I've got outside the eight but knocking on the door the pies. I know they're having a crappy, crappy pre-season, but I don't put a lot of... Uh, don't put a lot of faith into that. So I'm going to wait and see what the first few rounds look like. They've actually got a decent draw. They play a heap of games in Melbourne, uh, not many on the road. So I think they could sneak to around 11 or 12 wins. Um, I'm going to quickly run down beyond that. I've got the Dogs after Collingwood, for the reasons I've said. Eagles, then St Kilda. Sorry to say this, Tom. Hawthorne. Yep. Then I've got the, what will be the, the awful five. Uh, North Melbourne, Carlton, Gold Coast, Brisbane, Frio. Break it down for me. What's, do, your, um, what's your bottom ten? To, to break the suspense, I've got exactly the same bottom five as you. Um, I think um, one of our, our good mates, Ants, has always been um, telling us that he's happy with the direction north are going and they're um, always <laughs> moving in the right way. But Ants, mate, at this stage of the season, cannot see it. I'm, I'm confident we will be proved wrong on a number of, of these <laughs> predictions, but I just can't see north having that depth um, that they need, and even just the star factor, it's just not there. I think Carlton are building, and wouldn't surprise me if they finished a couple spots high, but I've got them, like you, down for 15th. Gold Coast, as we all know, the talent's, talent's been there for years, but losing Gary, is that going to help them? Is that going to mobilise them? Uh, Brisbane at 17, the Hodge factor, big factor for me. I'm looking forward. I'm shaking I'm, my head. I'm, I'm shaking my I'm head on missed, the Hodge. Yeah, Hodge at, Hodge at seven, uh, Brisbane at 17. And I, I remember back in the days when footy was on free-to-air on occasions, and... Um, and Brisbane used to be everyone's second favourite team because they'd always be playing up at Carrara on a Saturday, <laughs> Sunday afternoon and Drew Morford would get the, uh, the RIP Drew would be getting the commentary job. And for me, with Hodgie coming back into Brisbane, I think they're going to become my second favourite team again because I do I do have something that may well resemble a man crush on the, um, the great man. It's tragic <laughs> to see him go. Um, he'll be great for Brisbane. Though. He'll be great. I think he's exactly what they need. And I would have loved him to direct a bit of traffic around the Hawthorne back line for another year, but the Hawks have got to move on. Absolutely. And then Frio, Frio, Frio. Ross the boss, really, the five-year contract last year, it's just... I can't, I can't see it happening again. I hope I'm proved wrong, and it, it is hard to, to predict these things. But really, I don't have a lot of confidence in them. And I'm, to be honest, I'm not really looking forward to watching any of their games either because the game style, just the, I don't know if I could handle a, um, a 
three goals, seven final scoreline from any team. So, yes, as good as AFLX was, that only lasted for, for, what, 20 minutes to get scores like... And people were scoring three times, four times as much as that. They're scoring a full game. So that's my bottom five. I think that's pretty obvious, maybe obvious. It's, but let's, I, can't let's see, that. I can't see that changing, Tom. Yeah, yeah. So let, let's move back to coming out of the top eight. I've got Port just missing out for the reasons that we talked about before. So I've got them at nine. I have gone with my heart and my head to save the Hawks. Um, big question, I've got the Hawks at 10, which is nothing remarkable anyway. It's not a, it's not very Hawthorne-like, uh, if you will, but I think you can look at it in ter- different ways for the Hawks. Is potential recruits on paper to come into the team. Amira hardly played last year. Pre-season reports that he's flying, but, you know, everyone's flying in pre-season, but hopefully for Jager's sake and for... Hawks and therefore my sake. Um, he's coming good. Rioli didn't play much last year. I know he's been on family leave, but if he comes in, he's a new recruit. If we can get Stratton, if we, if Hawks can get uh, Birchall, if they can get Frawley, it looks on paper like a whole lot of new recruits to come in. And when those guys were out last year, the younger blokes stepped up. The counter-argument to that is that the Hawks had all those guys at the start of the year and got smashed by Gold Coast by 82 points in Gold Coast. Um, we also got smashed by G-Dub by a huge margin as well. And I just think that the question for me is the motivation and the hunger. Have, has the edge gone off those sort of mid-tier, um, you know, triple premiership players, outstanding achievement, but has the hunger gone? I'm really hoping that we can sneak in a 10. How about that? Um, anyway, you don't want to hear about the Hawks anymore. The Bombers, I've got them at 11. Some, ooh, great, ooh. some great recruiting from the Bombers, um, not just... The package, but some um, some handy recruits from GWS. They picked up. Uh, They've done some recruitment out yeah, there. Yeah. Tommy, you won't get to the airport. You know you got to drive past their HQ now. You're not going to make it. They'll be they'll be barricading you as you no, come no, in. Eleventh on the bombers. I've, I've got an eleven. I just I don't know if it's just baggage from the old Hawthorne days, but I don't. Line in the sand uh, days. Line in the sand days plus the uh, 84, 85 grand final. And Billy Duckworth, if you're listening, um, you ruined my day back there in 1984. He loves 84. Eight Count. He oh, loves everything Eight Count's doing. Yeah, absolutely. King Billy, you beauty was the word that I heard from behind me. <laughs> Essendon, um, I, just, I don't know if they are gelling as a team. I think there's a lot of hype around them and I think that, that hype can potentially backfire on them as a club. I think there's still a lot of scars and a lot of baggage. I think there's people who aren't happy and I just think it's really hard to get the culture absolutely right. So I've, they've got a good lead. They've got some good players there, but I just can't see them going better than 11. I've got the Saints in at 12. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, about the same. Perennial promising a lot. And um, shout out to Robbo, big Saints man. He'll be rubbing him on that, rubbing my face in it when the Saints go any higher than 12th. If they come 11th and a half, tied for 11th on the ladder. <laughs> You'll be hearing from uh, him. I'll be hearing from him on this one. But um, some good young players. They've really... Um, they seem to be doing all the right things on paper, but just can't deliver. And I think, it, again, maybe it's a cultural issue there. I've got the Pies at 13. I just think that there's just so much going on, so much going going wrong down. It's not at, their um, year, Tom, you're saying. Not their Pine year. Man, not their decade. Um, Bucks, from what I hear, just an amazing human being, a lovely bloke. I've seen him um, out around my running haunts a little bit and I've seen him... Give a, give a hamburger to a homeless man in the street and not expect any sort of accolades or conversation, didn't make any fuss of it. And it seems like an absolute ripper, but I just don't think he's reaching the players. And I've heard the, the, report, the reports that I hear about him is that his solution, if things aren't working, is just to work harder. And because that's what worked for Nathan and certainly works for a lot of people in life, certainly works for Arco, for the, uh, the great empire that he's been building. Keep suffering. Here. Just keep Absolutely. on suffering. But I think for the younger generation, I don't know if that's the answer for them and they sometimes need to be heard and you have their, 
the um, EQ uh, investigated. So I've got the pies at 13, and then we flow into the bottom five. He also runs. Yeah. So let's round this out, and we'll take a quick break. So I think to conclude, our top few... Real disagreement, GWS and Geelong, you're bullish on, I'm not. Yep. I've got Adelaide, Sydney, Port. You're way down on Port. You're way unders on Port. Yep. You've got Port, I think, barely scraping in the eight. No, no missing. Missing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you're, you're more bullish on West Coast than I am. Uh, you're, you're saying yeah. the Crows will regress. Uh, the D's and, at five and, as and well. The D's. <laughs> Every time you're looking at your list, the D's go high. I, I think D's will make it. Uh, I don't think they're five material. Yep. No, I think I... we agree on the teams that are probably not in the mix. The Saints, the Pies, uh, the Hawks. Agree with you there. Yep. Uh, and the bottom five completely agree. I think they're in the Hurt Locker. They're going to stay in the Hurt Locker. And as much as it pains me to put the baggers in there, I can't see them doing anything in 2018, apart from tightening up the defence a little bit more and maybe getting another goal or two out of Casbolt. Yes, All right. Well, let's let's take a break and pause and talk about everything on 8count.com.au. Blokes out there and women, I know you love the 8count uh, lineup. Not only the handle where we break down all the major codes starting with the AFL, we've got Saturation Point, we've got Van Zant, uh, we've got the stretch coming. So for all of your sporting and cultural needs, go to 8count.com.au. I think there's a great article right now on athletes from yesteryear and the, uh, the grilling machines, the cooking devices they came up with. We've got some stuff on Floyd Patterson, Public Enemy, Essential Reading, Tommy, on a long weekend. Oh, absolutely, yes. And um and you, you come back and revisit those like you come back and revisit this um, this podcast during the bye weekend when, when your team isn't playing come the middle of the year, this is the time to catch up on and reread all this stuff again. Exactly, I love it. Okay, let's uh, let's close this out with some awards. Uh, we do this in different forms. We've been doing this for years and uh, you're generally right and I'm generally wrong. This is the Flavor Flavor Award. Everyone at 8 Count in the Hemingway Suite loves Public Enemy. This is the Don't Believe the Hype Award. Tommy... Player, team, commentator, who will flame out this year? Lots oh. of hype, round one, going backwards during the year. Gee, there's a lot of stuff in there. And when you, when you bring up the great public enemy, I actually um, brings to mind, um, don't believe the hype, huge song, but also um, one of my favourites is the, the, the collaboration they do with Anthrax for Bring the Noise. And, um, great. Turn it up, bring the noise. And that's what I'm hearing out of, uh, out of Windy Hill, shall we call it, or from the locker there. We've already sort of discussed... Essendon a little bit there, but I think with um with with Wusha, I don't know if he was totally committed to coaching, but came back as a favour. And I think he's, he's a great coach and he's got a great success record. But I think issues there. I think the noise at Essendon's big, but I'm not absolutely convinced that it's the way to go there. What about you? Look, I'm going to go down to, to the Paris of the South. Uh, my don't believe the hype award will be G. Ablett. Oh, strong. Love the great man. Elite, elite player. Query on injuries. Query on staging career. Uh, will he add a goal or more value to Geelong? Where will they play? How does he fit fitting with Dangerwood? Question mark, question mark. I think for me, it's either him or the transfer of package to the Bombers. Yes. What call out. Yeah, yeah. I think they're the two. I'd love to see the package return to the form of two or three years ago. But uh, for me, I've asterisk G. Ablett and J. Stringer. Yeah, and I'll, I'll throw one more in there. Um, for Jay O'Meara um, yes. as, as a possibility there. That I think I think that everybody down at, uh, let's call it Glenfree Oval, soon to be Dilly, um, are thinking we've just got to get his knees right and he will be potentially one of the best players in the competition. But he's been out of football for effectively three years now. Mm. And um, when he did come back for a couple of games last year, kicking wasn't quite what I was hoping from him. Amazingly skilled with his hands and moving around. But I think the Hawks 
expecting a lot from him and I think even if his knees are right, he's still got a lot, a lot of work ahead of him to, to get back to that status and meet the expectations. All right, that's Flavor Flav. Noted down, folks. Okay, the second one, we love this guy. We love this guy because AO used to have his footy card, the yep. Laurie Keane Award. Yep. The Laurie Keane, for those of you who don't look him up, spindly, not so athletic, Ruckman in the Eagles, back he in was, what, 87, 88, yeah, 89? Absolutely, no, very, very young. He was, he was almost like the Brisbane Bears, as I said before, <laughs> of, the, uh, of that West Coast era, in that he became your sort of second favourite player, the, the player outside of class. I think it was, maybe it was the Burt Reynolds moustache on top of the, uh, the gangly, <laughs> gangly play, but no, I love the big Laurie, absolutely, very, very unlikely talent. The Laurie Award, the Laurie Award is the unlikely talent. Who, this is the club, the player, the coach, just a great trier. Just a great tryout that will just grind it, grind it, grind it and surprise everyone. Do you have anyone in mind? Yeah, I mean, I'm actually thinking, it, it sort of doesn't line up with my ladder, but I'm thinking that the, out of the, out of Moravin, let's call it, where they're back now, out of the Saints, I'm going to go for their coach, Alan Richardson, and I just see him <laughs> as a bloke who All right. is just so calm, consistent, and he's basically in charge of a team that culturally has been a madhouse for years, and he's just steady as she goes. He says all the right things. He keeps to the strategy. And, and again, shout out to you, Robbo, but I really hope the Saints do do something. And I see him as um, an unlikely talent. He, he'd done a lot of yards um, in his football career as an assistant coach, as a player. I think um, you've all read the Lee Matthews biography before there, and he talks about missing the... Lee talks about how, um, how Richo missed the grand final because Lee gave him a fitness test before the game and he passed the fitness test and as he was walking off the ground from the fitness test, Lee thought he could get charged as he's walking off the ground at quarter time. So Lee smashed into the ground and caused some damage <laughs> and the poor bugger missed the grand final. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm seeing him as a very much a, a good, honest, a toilet try. Good on you, Richo. Oh, Love you, mate. Richo, good luck down at Moorabbin. In the similar vein, yeah, it's funny, we didn't swear, we didn't share notes in advance and uh, I can't read your writing. Uh, I've got Ken Inkley. Yeah. Look, Maybe I'm just, I've got a bias towards the can. I love his style. He's no nonsense. He's yeah. a little bit in the Ross Lyon mould. Yeah. But uh, I really think he's, he's got the psychology right. Yeah. I like his attitude. It's no nonsense. I really hope this is the year he delivers on the potential. I don't think it's in the coach's box. It's really on the paddock yeah. with Port. And I hope that him and Port can step it up. But Absolutely, yeah. And I, I think that... Um, He's a doppelganger for someone, and I can't place it. And when you talked about the, it's about the psychology and whatnot. I think I was thinking actually Frazier Crane from uh, from Tears yeah. from the old days. Is there a bit of that there? Probably I've got the wrong guy, but he, he reminds me of someone, and I just can't place it. So listeners, if you can can get get back to eight can, let us know who that is. So who am I thinking of? That'd be much appreciated. Help Tommy out. I yeah. think you're right. Yeah, he's got that kind of look about him. All right, let's jump to award number three, and this will probably be our third and final. So yeah, I just made this one up because I watched Miami Vice recently. Oh. <laughs> I watched, hang on, hang on, hang on. It's a new screensaver on your phone. What have you been recently? The, the DJ. <laughs> but, <laughs> let, me, let me clarify. The movie. Yeah, Michael okay, Mann. Okay, okay. Now, the, the movie. I'm just thinking here, looking across the table at, at Arco in the T-shirt with a jacket on. Um, and as the ponytail. Speak, absolutely, yes. Um, <laughs> I can't believe he's only just 
watched the movie. Really, <laughs> rewatched it. I'm not revealing all information here. Rewatched it. Colin Farrell, Jamie Foxx. Colin Farrell. I don't know what he's on. A, I can't understand him. B, yeah. he's got the beadiest eyes. I actually had to put the subtitles on to oh. watch that movie. But anyway, what I loved about it was the go fast boats. Yeah. Oh, where? Why aren't we in go fast boats right now, heading straight through Bass Strait, straight to Tassie for a party weekend? Oh, and we're missing out. We really are. I don't know. Did you not get the invite last week? But yeah, yeah. <laughs> Where's the invite for the go fast? Absolutely. The spirit of this award loosely tied to the fact that I binge watched that the other weekend. Maybe watched it twice or three times with the curtains drawn. The go fast boats. Tell me who will crank up the ladder in 2018 with Colin Farrell at the helm with the uh, the mullet in full view. Yes. Um, I think you've got to go back to my ladder predictions and I, I have no idea why I think this. I think it's probably generated out of pity and suffering, but I'm tipping the Ds to go from outside the eight to climb to the mighty heights of fifth on the ladder. But that, that's the best mover I can see in the comp. Now, I'm absolutely sure there'll be somebody who does better than that, but I can't see who it's going to be. I think, you know, anyone from that bottom five could easily surprise us. But, yeah, I'm going to go with the Ds for reasons I said before. All right, I hear, I hear, I disagree, but respect to the analysis. I've got the Bombers as my go-fast boat. Look, they could go either way here. It's a hair trigger for me. Does Woosha get them up? Do they have that revenge factor, the comeback, the story, post the drug scandal? Why aren't we all out on peptides? I'll never know. But oh. they come back. They're clean now, they tell us. I looking think young, younger than ever. Looking fit. Looking fit. Looking, looking very tanned. fit, yeah, yeah. tanned, looking cut, yes, ready to absolutely. go. So it's either the Ds or the Bombers. I think this is definitely an award category. We've got to review at the halfway mark of the season. Ah, uh, yeah. Tommy. Uh, plenty of egg on plenty of faces. At least oh. two faces around the interest. <laughs> I think both of our faces. I'm getting the wind-up from the producer. Let's close it out with this. Tommy, the year ahead, what are you most excited about, mate? What do you just love about March, about the season about to kick off? What are you looking forward to? Oh, I, yeah, it's it's everything. It's, it's the evolutionary mechanism that has allowed us to survive with winter and to get through the dark, the dark, dark days. I'm looking forward to getting down to the G on a Friday night, having um, a couple of uh, warm-up beverages beforehand just to uh, set the spirits and then just absorbing that atmosphere at the G. I cannot wait. Um, I'm, I'm very jealous that the Tigers and the Blues have taken over round one for that Thursday night extravaganza. Be They've magnificent. got a lock on it. They've got a lock yeah, on it. exactly. I actually have um, a bit of post-traumatic stress disorder around Easter Monday, so I should be excited about that one. But, um, yeah, we'll, I'll, I'll be uh, putting the jacket on and dosing up on the meds before that. But, nah, I just cannot wait for the season to unfold. I'm looking for the week-to-week banter from the boys and um, boys and girls out there. Loving it. Fantastic. Tommy? It's been an absolute pleasure. Let's definitely do this again at the halfway mark. For all of you out there, hope you've loved the handle 2018 AFL season. Projections, analysis, insights, Tommy, first-class work. Folks, have a fantastic weekend from everyone at 8Count. Bye for now.